Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hey, Christy. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. Thank you. Same to you. I know. We got a little behind. We were one week off what we said. Nobody even knew. You just just put out our secret. Well, and a lot happened in the United States that week. Let's just be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I've been sitting here waiting to start the podcast intro recording because you've been making your sourdough starter. (laughs) I was, I had to feed it. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. I have a, I have gotten good at the sourdough bit and I um, wanted to have a fresh loaf for tomorrow's dinner. And so I needed to get it going and I had an alarm set for two o'clock. So you, (laughs) I'm a dork. I have my notes. I, yeah. Anyway. So thank you for letting me start, get my starter started, starter going, but uh, you started your starter. <laughs> I'm going to have to sh- send you bread, but I just don't know how well it will ship. And then you'll be like, why is she so excited about this? It's, <laughs> it's really stale and gross. It's moldy. What the hell? <laughs> you know what? Right now, fingers crossed, everything works out. We're playing for Girls Come Gravel to be at Unbound. So you'll Whoop. just make me. I will, I will make it. Because you won't be busy, stuff. right? <laughs> I'll leave it for you on my front porch. <laughs> We, yeah. Uh, registration is open. So if you're thinking about Unbound Gravel, now's the time to throw your helmet in the ring, so to speak. Okay. Are there any spots? That's what everybody wants to know. Well, there's spots. I mean, it's, let's be honest, it's COVID, you know, and we, and, and our guests today, when we talked, we talked with Kristen Carpenter today from Verde Communications and Channel Mastery, but um, talking about the state of the union, you know, one thing that I didn't, I meant to bring up on there was that with the events for 2021 as an events promoter on the event side of it, one thing we're asking for is that, uh, you know, athletes are going to play a role in responsibility for how events happen for this year. You know, there's, if we all want to do this, it's going to be coming back to coming together. And part of that is like having some grace and understanding that a lot of these events, I mean, rooted opened and they did not have very many spots. 
um, you know, that it's going to be limited availability <clears throat> for 2021. So yeah, the same don't get mad at the race directors. They're trying to like, it's interesting yeah. because if you're not, if you've never done events or you're not in that industry, like understanding that although like for the bike boom, it's one of the things we talked about last year, but now there aren't bikes available. So mm -hmm. your local bike shop actually could have struggles this year oh, very this, much so. on the, on the event side, like events actually were kind of okay last year because a lot of them didn't issue refunds or a lot of them had deferrals, but now they don't have spots right for this year. And like you make your income every year, just like everybody else. Yeah. It's a, it's a profit and loss situation <laughs> in the event side too. Um, so you know, we we really looked at everything. And as far as you know, for Unbound with COVID, like Leland is working hand in hand with the city. They have meetings like every week, basically. Um, things look, things look good. Fingers crossed. Um, but uh, they also put, they put a cap on us. Um, and so we have to put a cap on spots. And then we had the deferral registration process that ate up a bunch of those. But um, but we've, with all of that, not only does obviously our team want riders and athletes and support crews and everybody back, but so does the city. Um, nonetheless, it has to be done in a way that, that works. So that's been, yeah. that's been an ongoing focus for three months, I would say on our end. So, um, none of it's taken light, lightly and it won't be going forward. I mean, we'll still be. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. I think we're gonna like be in a different place. And like if your event was next week and next month. No, 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 it wouldn't happen. But no. just a lot's gonna happen with the vaccine rollout. Um, you know, it's full well, on getting like, back those high. doses of the vaccine. So that's you know, like it's kind of cool to like know somebody that's fully fully immunized. Like, does work in an ER, but um I'm jealous of everybody that's immunized right now. Um, but also like, uh, we're both going to SBT this mm -hmm. year and I just got an email from them today saying they're looking at COVID testing, like on site, like they're working with the company. So I think the rapid, all that stuff is going to start to get better, better. more policies and, and be able to monitor things better than we have been. And again, um, from the athlete side, if you're sick, don't come. Yeah. Also, it's really bad for you to race if you have COVID. Yeah. Go read some of Celine's research or stuff she's curated, not her research. <laughs> yes. That's a healthy, uh, healthy resources, Celine Yeager, for sure. So. <laughs> yeah. so, do we need something researched? Let's just call Celine. Call Celine. She's on it. She probably already has done it. <laughs> she's already <laughs> done it. Check. Done. Done. It's anyway. done. So, yeah. yeah. So here we are in 2021 with our first Girls Gone Gravel podcast. Tons of exciting stuff planned for 2021. Yeah. We've got some, we got some stuff coming out. I've been having um, conversations with some women in the community and some things that they want to do, some things that we're going to do. And in the next uh, couple of weeks, we have a bunch more conversations going on. So I would say stick with us till about the beginning of February and you're going to start hearing some announcements. I don't know where that voice came from. I've never done that voice before. <laughs> it's your 2021 voice. This is my 2021 voice. Let's not have that be your 2021. <laughs> okay. can, you, can you go back? Uh, anyway, 
Well, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, but uh, this, I really liked this podcast, this interview with Kristen Carpenter. So I did too. I mean, I worked in the industry, so I've geeked out over Kristen for quite a while because she has a podcast that's, it's really, it's really had a reach at your audience um, for small businesses and uh, industry in the outdoor industry. So she, she basically is cycling and skiing, which doesn't suck. Um, but we wanted to talk to her just, uh, she researches a lot of trends, talks to a lot of people like what's happening in gravel. And we talked about everything from why can't I get a bike and what to do about it um, to what's going to happen with all the DEI initiatives that uh, everybody was talking about last year. So um, I I really like this podcast and she's a, a good cyclist in her own route. She, she's just oh, yeah. a mountain biker, right? She's, she's a mountain biker, but she's also, uh, quite capable. I mean, she's, yeah, she's solid. She's a solid athlete. So that's, yeah. Yeah. She's trying to get you to come do Leadville. Well, you know, I was signed up for that. Leadville. Oh, you were going to do lead boat. Is that happening this year? Lead boat? It is. Are you going to do it? Let's keep moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would mean that you would do SBT, then lead boat and then last best ride. No, I would do Leadville, then oh. SBT. Oh. Back to back. I do Leadville, then SBT, and then go to Last Best Ride. That's a lot. Yeah. And, and the the difference really for me in 2021 is that in 2020, I had kind of carved my year out to be in Leadville for that bulk of the summer to get my, my weakness is elevation. Um especially above about 9,000, 10,000 feet, which Leadville starts at 10,400 feet or something like that. Isn't everybody that lives in Kansas's weakness elevation? No, I didn't, I didn't used to bother me. Oh. Um, but it does now. Um, and it sucks. So I was going to be kind of hanging out in that area for four or five weeks. I don't know if I've got that luxury for 2021 yet. So we'll see. Um, well, I don't think last best ride is going to be any easier. Did you no, see that? It's not that high. It only goes up to about 80, it only goes up to about eighty five hundred or so. Oh. It's, just, it's I'm fine. Like RPI doesn't bother me. Um, it's when I start and and it. I mean, Leadville literally is. It starts high, and doesn't get any better. Yeah, we were. Um, up at Mount Rainier over Christmas. I went to visit David Jess and we went up to Mount Rainier to paradise, which is kind of like where you go up to the, where you would go to the summit from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like, um, it was, there was a ton of snow. So we took my niece up to play in the snow, which then we ended up playing in the snow. But my sister-in-law who weighs 115 pounds was like, we can just walk on the snow. That is actually how she sounds. And, um, my brother and I, who don't weigh 115 pounds, would sink to our waist every time we tried to walk. And I was like, because I couldn't breathe because we were so high. <laughs> my quarter of a mile hike in the snow. At one point, my brother got on the ground and was army crawling. Nice. Through it. And which didn't help me because I had been walking in his footsteps. At least I figured out if I made him go first and I walked in his footsteps, I had like a path. But yeah it was hilarious so so yeah elevation is real <laughs> it is yeah. um well 
we're going to get on to our interview with Kristen Carpenter and we'll have, like I said, lots more fun things coming in the next few weeks to talk about. Yes. All right. Go enjoy your bread. Thanks. Hey, Catherine, I'm so excited that Gooders come on as one of our sponsors. I know we love Gooder sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like I got Lance's afternoon uppers. And I got Rose before Brose. <laughs> they're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're no slip, no bounce and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. <laughs> which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet. So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. They do. <laughs> Christy, do you know we have a new podcast sponsor? Did you get your gear yet? I did. I was so excited. Val Corva showed up the other day and I, um, I'm in love. <laughs> I think I have my new very favorite shorts, both for working out, walking my dog and like posts a long ride. Yeah, totally. That Well, and I got that green. Did you get the green? You didn't get the green. I, I got, got the green. I got like an eggplant color. They're fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry. My green ones are better than your eggplant. <laughs> well, I really love the fun colors and all the fun patterns. I got really fun pants as well. And I love, this is my favorite thing. They have a pocket. And I know. Every pair of pants. So like after a ride, slide them on, put my cell phone in the pocket. It's amazing. Yep. They work perfect. And they're, they are the, the shorts are the right length. My three quarter length tights. They're obviously, they're an awesome link, but they're super fun. I got the black and white stripe and they're, they're really cute. So I'm so stoked. And the quality is, uh, yeah, I was stoked. And they're incredibly affordable. I know. We yeah. are very excited to have Belcorva as a new sponsor to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. You can go over to belcorva.com to pick up your fun new tights or shorts. Get the green ones. Hello, Catherine, and uh, welcome to our first 2021 Girls Gone Gravel podcast. I'm so proud of you for keeping your New Year's resolution and starting the podcast. Yeah, the getting the the resolution of getting outside my comfort zone. My cheat. Look at how red I'm getting. I'm getting. So, you are getting all flushed. So. Oh, and you know they want to start putting some video clips into the podcast stuff this year. So now we can use your red cheeks. Me getting all, all flustered and red. So no, I'm, I'm so excited to be back. It was so fun seeing your face on the, on the screen this morning. I know, you know, obviously this is all recorded for voice, but um, it was still fun to see you. I've missed you. I know. Same. And we have a guest that I'm super excited about. Yeah, me too. Today. So, so we have Kristen Carpenter joining us. Hey, Kristen. Hey, how are you? So wonderful to be here. Yeah, you have like the master podcast set up at your house. Like I'm kind of a little <laughs> jealous looking at it. 
Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, I almost feel like, um, it's a, a funny movie backdrop, which it is. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Cause if you were to look on the other side of my computer screen, you would see, um, we're having some construction done in my house and all of my daughter's reptiles are on the floor in front of me. So <laughs> Wait, there's a like bearded, a one? yeah, Live a bearded ones? dragon, there's a snake and there's three geckos. And they're not like running around and like holding up cue cards for me or anything. They're in their, they're in their enclosures and safe, but like, they're literally like right there. Hey, you lost me with the snake. <laughs> Do they have names? Yes. So the bearded dragon's Phyllis. Um, the snake is Mushu and she's a ball python. And then the geckos, we have a husband and wife, uh, which is uh, Eva and Wally, of course. And then there is. Um, there's one more crested gecko and his name is Neo. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a first on the Girls in Trouble podcast. I know. I'm like, I was going to say, at least we probably won't hear them. They probably won't. They probably won't climb into the podcast today. They're good in that regard. <laughs> well, um, Kristen is, just a quick brief, I met Kristen at Leadville in 2019. Um and uh, Kristen is um, the founder of Verde Communications, correct? And also you've got your podcast channel mastery, but just give us a little bit of an introduction about who Kristen Carpenter is. Okay. And number one, I'm just so excited and honored to be here. So thank you again for, for inviting me. Um, so 2021 actually is interestingly Verde's 20 for, 20th year, which is crazy. Like my son, I just brought him to college up at um, Montana state and he was, I was pregnant with him when I launched the company, which is crazy. And for the first year he was like in a little car seat next to me in the basement. And um, <laughs> now here we are 20 years. Um, and we specialize in the active outdoor lifestyle, outdoor recreation markets. Cycling is a big part of that because that's my passion. Um, and Yes, I met Christy and uh, at Leadville, which is, um, I moved to Durango in 1994 because I loved mountain biking and have always been a mountain biker, um, but I've definitely fallen in love with gravel. And it, I hadn't even done a gravel event when I met you, Christy. And I think one of the things we talked about was you doing a mountain bike event at altitude, preferably Leadville, and then <laughs> me hopefully getting to do some gravel events, which I've done a couple, um, but obviously we had 2020. Um, so we uh, launched with the team at team Steamboat Gravel. We launched that event and we work with Lifetime's Run and Cycling Dirt events. Um, Trans Rockies Gravel Royale um, has been a, a project client of ours over 2020. And, you know, we definitely have our hand in the space. We've, we've worked with a lot of brands in endurance. It's definitely a focal category for Verde, but we also love um, the fact that the consumer is really similar between like all of the little fiefdoms of outdoor recreation. So if we have skiing or snowboarding, climbing, uh, camping, whatever, cycling, like actually there are people who do all of those things. It's not like we have to segment those because they have different trade shows or different things like that. So we're really seeing coming out of 2020 that people are getting that more than ever, which is super exciting and something I'm sure we'll talk about today. But my point being is, um, even though we're 20 years in, I'm more energized than ever because 2020 was just a complete accelerator of a year. We've been waiting for a lot of things uh, that 2020 made happen just because it forced the hand and had to happen. So <laughs> here's, 
here we are. <laughs> I did age about eight years in one year, but hey, whatever. We're on audio today. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a busy year for the outdoor industry, all yeah. of 2020. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was unbelievable growth. And in cycling specifically, um, I've never actually had a situation where um, we don't have products to sell. Like literally our bike clients don't have product. Um, Felt Bicycles is one of our clients and we thought we were going to have a great activation for them in May and June. And, you know, they will have that, but you know, they, they're seeing the same delays as other brands. Um, the pros closet has seen, I think two and a half or three times a month, they're turning their inventory in its entirety. It's unbelievable what's happening out there. Like this is a moment like no other, um, even that early seventies, uh, bike boom that happened, um, was nothing compared to this. And, and there are some supply chain issues, but it doesn't mean the communities aren't going to show up. And in a way, the events community is far ahead of product in that regard, because we've already been through a year where we had to iterate because we didn't have what we're used to selling and offering at our disposal to offer to our, to our communities. So in some ways, I think events has really evolved a lot faster than the product has in terms of COVID. Yeah. Well, we do, we have a lot of questions kind of about what's going to happen in, with gravel in 2021, what everybody, everybody on this call is seeing, but since you brought up the, the bike shortage, that is one thing that's been a conversation within our, um, private Facebook group. Like, why can't I get a bike? What's going on? So I think it's helpful. Maybe if people know, and you know, I've been encouraging people like you don't, you can't shop around, like know what you need. And if you find it, get it. Absolutely. Um, that is probably the best advice. And then also, I think um, if you, if you're looking to maybe upgrade or like, I do think that there will be creative ways to find these bikes. But one example is um, I'm a big fan of Yeti mountain bikes. And ultimately, like I was researching something because my bike actually had a catastrophic failure at the end of summer. And I was like, oh, great, my mountain bike. And um I just popped online and was doing some aspirational shopping. And of course I'm going to go to my, one of my favorite brands websites. And I see that they have like a new iteration of the bike that I want for 2021. And I called my shop, my Yeti dealer here. And I was like, you don't by chance have this. And they're like, we have only one and it's size large. And I'm like, I'll be down in five minutes. And I bought it like that day because I knew that after talking with them, they were not going to be getting more bikes until I believe it was like January, which is this month, but that was back in August. So I just got lucky that there was one there and I went down and grabbed it. <laughs> when you're talking to these <clears throat> industry folks about the supply chain, um, what are we looking at as far as time frame for bikes and parts coming back into some sort of a regular rotation? Are we still right. talking like six months or... What's That's that a mean? great question. And I think some of it depends on the bike brand you're talking about. From what I understand, Giant Bicycle owns a lot of their supply chain and they have bikes. Um, I think Trek has invested as has specialized in owning more of their supply chain in Asia, for example. And I think they might be in a, a little bit of a better situation as well. Um, there are some brands that, it, that have frames. They just don't have complete bikes. And from what I understand, one of the biggest bottlenecks out there, and it's not so much like it's anyone's fault at SRAM and Shimano, but 
from what I understand, there might be a, um, a misalignment in terms of will this bike boom continue? Should we invest in making it possible to produce more bikes in our Asian manufacturing facilities um, or components? And ultimately, like that's that's an important consideration because they're sold as complete bikes. And that's why I think cycling is having like the difficulty it's having right now, because, you know, in outdoor recreation, we could create more tents or more hiking boots. And we don't necessarily have to like put all these different finishes on the product, the main product. So there's all these different players involved. Um, and there's also obviously like shipping holdups that consumers are now used to. Um, but ultimately like getting your needs met, it's going to be interesting <laughs> going forward. Um, and we, I actually spent some time talking with um, uh, a person at Specialized who, who literally is like the world leader on this topic, um, Bob Marchiavellis. And he um, basically is working every day, seven days a week with leaders in Europe, in Asia, and they're all trying to work to create solutions around this. And ultimately the number one thing they're saying to do is to have the manufacturers put in a healthy forecast or order so that they're able to get the pre-seasons, if you will, and, and manufacture the product. So I think that's happening. And um, I think that we're gonna have more clarity kind of going into Q1. Um, but I do also think it's interesting that like, the way that consumers have been given content through COVID, they're, they're anchored to their browsers. Um, they want more and more content. They can't get enough content because they want to belong to their brands um, and to their aspiration as a cyclist, like, and that's how they're doing it. So I feel like, like with Sea Otter just recently announcing that they're moving to October, that was a big kickoff for the cycling season and a lot of media made you know, their um, product videos there. Like that's ultimately what they would spend seven or eight days doing on site at Sea Otter is making all that content. And um, I feel like there's an opportunity there as well as, you know, a challenge, which is always the case um, <laughs> for brands to come up with creative ways to keep their consumers engaged. And also most important and what I love about what you're doing and what you're committed to, welcome in that newcomer, right? We want to collect and nurture this newcomer. Like we've never had an opportunity like this before to really grow the participation of cycling even beyond gravel, but gravel is a huge part of that. Absolutely huge because it's like the great equalizer. You don't have to have, you know, like it, it just feels so welcoming. And that's something that I think um, the industry might've engineered out of like road biking or mountain biking um, with competition, with, you know, UCI regulations, all of these things like gravel still feels like you can fly the flag and belong to it. And that's going to be a big part of, I think, how cycling is shaped going forward. Just let's remove those barriers to entry. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, just as a takeaway from that, like if somebody's looking like look for some of those bigger brands, maybe that have more control over their manufacturing, talk to your local bike shop, see what they have coming in, all of that. Um, you know, I was actually at my bike, I ran to my bike, um, shop owner at a brewery on, um, the first weekend of the new year. And I was like, Oh, I need to bring my bike. Cause I'm doing uh, this event in Colorado. And then I'm going to do an event in Montana. And I was like, I need more gears. And he was like, uh, bring it on Tuesday because we're having so much time getting parts. I was like, well, it's not until August. He goes, bring it on Tuesday because we're having so much trouble getting parts. I was like, okay. 
Yeah, and that is truly the case um, across the country and I think even globally. Yeah. So bring their bike in for sure. <laughs> Definitely not a time to wait around. <laughs> no. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I think we saw in a large part, not that I want to spend the entire podcast on this, but, you know, as from the gravel side of it, we saw um, before COVID pro- a lot of problems sometimes with getting gravel bikes specifically, because like that demand was kind of already elevated. And I think manufacturers were kind of playing it a little bit on the safe side, um, trying to trying to make sure that they ran out of bikes rather than having too many at the end of the season. And then this obviously with this happening really kind of, you know, escalated that and made it, made it very problematic to where some of these brands don't have product at all. So, yeah. yeah. It's true. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely spot on with that. And I think um, maybe a number of larger brands saw that gravel was growing. So they, you know, were trying to supplant that and bring new things to the market. But I think some of those brands that really framed the beginning of gravel and really have that legitimacy in gravel, um, this is going to be really challenging for them because I think Mm -hmm. more and more people are going to want in on gravel and they're going to want to align with those founding brands, I think. Well, and, and you're not going to want to wait either. I mean, yeah. and I, I think too, that's one thing is the, the idea of looking for a used bike is not a terrible idea either. Like that, you said pros closet was, was struggling. So I'm not struggling, know but you know, the turn they're trying to keep up. It's like, <laughs> and by the way, they have a great post on their site that Spencer Pallison wrote on the bike boom and bicycles being available, which might be cool to put in the show notes. No, for we should definitely yeah, that would be good. I know our, our, um, shop manager for gravel city did a little supply chain graphic, which I think was helpful to help customers understand because they're getting frustrated and, you know, you, you end up taking it out on the wrong people. Um, and that's not good either. So, especially during COVID and our political climate, take a breath. Yes. <laughs> or several. Yeah. <laughs> well, besides the fact that it's hard to find a bike, Let's talk about what else, what else are we forecasting for gravel in 2021? So I really wanted to talk to you more about this, Kristen, because you do talk to so many people within the industry in your position. And, um, also I know Christy has her hand on things just with her job and I just learn and listen mostly. <laughs> we all bring such an important perspective, um, when you say learn and listen and being a female leader in the space, like that perspective couldn't be more important. And um, Christy and I both work on the lifetime brands together. Obviously you as somebody who, you know, founded big sugar, you know, and had the vision and fortitude to like be with uh, dirty cans and now known as unbound gravel. Um, that was a big year last year for you, Christy Moan. <laughs> Um, and here we are coming out on the other side of it. And, you know, our, our uh, leaders at Lifetime, for example, are, are counting on events um, after Q1. And I believe that they're doing everything they can to come up with ways for their journey man and journey woman athletes uh, to be part of the communities of these events. And to me, I'd love to, you know, talk a little bit about the community aspect of it, because that's what makes gravel so spectacular is just the community is, it's almost indescribable, like how that experience is and what happens when you don't have a a point of gathering for a whole year and you're going into a year of uncertainty. 
you know? Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think everybody's itching to get back to not necessarily start lines. Like, I think, you know, that's kind of what that, that we refer to it as, but I just think that communal aspect of it, of being in the same place at the same time with a similar goal and, um, other things kind of put on the shelf for the day or for the weekend. Um, I think we've, we're all ready for that. I mean, I think as, and you know, from the events perspective and from the athlete side, I'm definitely ready to see, to see us back in, in that community, but we still have, uh, you know, sub COVID-19 out there. So. Yeah. Yeah. We still are seeing about a hundred people, a hundred women a week join our Facebook group. Yeah. Our pri- we have a private women gravel cyclist Facebook group, and we still have about a hundred women a week that are joining that. And it's, I, I go on it maybe once or twice a day and I'm, I can't believe how many posts are on there. So, uh, and a lot of people are newbies in the space. So, um, so that's been fun, like to be able to continue to foster the online community, but you can tell people are kind of itching to just like feel more comfortable and safe, even if it's not at a big event, like in groups or going on adventures together, you know, like a lot of us, I say us, my kind of group in Atlanta signed up to do the whole SBT last best ride road trip. And we're like, it's August and we can't wait. Like we hope this, we hope this fingers crossed. Um, but everybody just, it was, it wasn't hard to convince people to do it. (laughs) Right. It's so interesting too. And I feel like, and I'd love to hear um, both of your take on this, but the pause that 2020 brought and the, the news backdrop of black lives matter. And prior to that, um, prior to 2020, um, I know Christy was doing some great leadership at lifetime and within cycling on just women's leadership, women's mentorship, you know, bringing women together so that women would feel like they were included more so in these events. And Christy, I personally feel like the the pause that 2020 brought and the news backdrop is turbocharging that right now. Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, and I think it, you know, personally, from my perspective, the next step in what we were doing with 200 women, 200 miles was to branch that out past women and look towards how we make, how we make these events even more welcoming. I, I don't like when, when we're looking at events, it's interesting because I struggle sometimes with that word inclusive, because I do think that gravel is an inclusive space. I think the word I prefer more is, is welcomed, like making sure that that audience knows that they are welcome. Um, that I've, I've never thought as gravel as being exclusive specifically. Um, the question just becomes, do those other um, parties that feel disenfranchised or underrepresented know that they are welcome um, and that we need to do a, make sure we're doing a better job communicating it from that perspective. So, I mean, I, I think what 2020 in my mind has brought us from the event perspective is challenging us to reach out to parties that are already doing things along the lines of inclusivity and let th- make sure that they know that they're, they're welcome. And how do we do that? What, how do we provide them that access so that they know? So that's 2020 in a very small nutshell from my perspective, like how we do that. Um, and 
knowing also, I mean, Catherine and I were talking about this a little bit before you got on. It's just that the concept of um, we're not always going to get it right and being able to have that opportunity for <clears throat> um, empathy and changing of direction and, and making sure that you are doing it right without being, you know, the call outs that just happen sometimes where it's just, it ends up making it exclusive. It's also, it's actually detrimental to being the, the inclusive side. So it's been challenging in 2020 for sure. Oh yeah. But how heartening is it that you have been adding hundreds and hundreds of women? Yeah. That is so fantastic. And they feel like they have a safe space to gather and ask questions. Um, they're going to be primed and ready to raise their hand to join whatever it is, whether it's a regional hub, whether it's going to their shop more confidently. Like I just feel like the identity that the mm -hmm. space and container you're providing to them has probably never been offered before. Well, and in a weird way, I think that, you know, there's been so many social rides on Zwift and whatnot. I mean, that's another great way to get women participating because they can do it kind of in the safety of their own basement or living room or garage or wherever they're doing it and start making those connections, which just makes that access easier when it comes time to kind of come back together in person. So eSports has provided a different platform that I don't necessarily know that we took it as... Um, as a positive in the past, you know, the virtual events and the, and esports and whatnot, those have allowed um, partici participants that wouldn't have normally participated. And then if we can bring those over into in real life experiences, it's a, it's a whole new growth that we didn't really value or think about beforehand. Wow. Yeah. I think virtual, like there's going to continue to be a mix of virtual and live. I mean, Everybody's kind of said that, right? That's not anything new, but I do think, especially for on the on the women's side or anybody that's a beginner, like maybe I'm I can't I don't feel confident that I could try to do 200 miles at, mm -hmm. at bound, but I could do a 200 mile challenge over the course of a week, you know, in my community, and that might be my first step into like, okay, well next year I want to go and just do the hundred mile there because I saw like, I can actually put the distance in. So I think like those challenges create a safe space for people to, to step outside their comfort zone without like, I traveled somewhere, you know, all the pressure that comes on you from showing up at a start line sometimes. I have a question um, about your group because you're in there caretaking and nurturing them in, within Facebook. Are there, um, women who talk about graduating from indoor cycling, like a passion for being fit from say their Peloton bike at home, or maybe it's even like soul cycle that are now feeling like inspired and empowered to step out and, and join something external <laughs> outdoor <laughs> going forward when things do come back online. That's an interesting question. I don't see like a lot spin culture is so interesting. <laughs> Because it really is a culture. Um, now, the funny thing is what I'm actually seeing is more cyclists who are getting a Peloton bike and using that for training than the other way around. Um, but so I haven't seen that as much. It, it typically is people that are just like they're looking for the adventure or to, to do something outdoors. 
Um, but I don't, I also haven't ever asked that question. That'd be a fun question to ask. It would, group. I feel like you. Yeah, that, I think that'd be a really cash. good survey or something, you know, and even, even having it go both directions, you know, have you bought an indoor trainer? Have you always done outdoor and now bought an indoor trainer? And then have you been on the indoor bike and are now thinking about riding outside? So. Yeah. That's it. Huh. That would be cool to We're see. getting interviewed again, Catherine. I know. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I can't help it. It's almost like going rafting with a bunch of raft guides. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's totally, it's okay. It's totally okay. Um, <laughs> one thing that I was, so I listened to, uh, you had Michelle on, um, your podcast talking about what lifetime was doing. And I was talking to Christy about this beforehand, but, um, there are a lot of cool initiatives that Lifetime is doing that Christy doesn't brag about, but I'm going to take a moment to brag about. Uh, one is just like Christy was talking about reaching out to clubs like the Major Taylor Club, which if people don't know, is the uh, biggest African-American cycling club in the U.S. and getting people to come to events. But the other, because we had Rach McBride on and they uh, are a non-binary athlete and uh, they told us their story and Lifetime has started a non-binary category um for all of their events and I actually reached out to Rach as soon as I heard that and I was like you have to listen to this podcast and Rach was like I'm doing an event with Lifetime next year that's amazing yeah they're a pro uh triathlete right now but Rach is going to come into gravel and kick some butt before we know it (laughs) and that kind of goes back to like not having the governing body right Christy I mean we wouldn't be able to do that. I think if there was some sort of a stipulation, because there's just all kinds of red tape and, and, um, uh, policies and process that would need to go in place to do that. And I just think it's so awesome that lifetime was like, we're doing it. And guess what? It's done. (laughs) Well, the guess what it's done part, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that was one of my lessons in 2020 was this, for me, this growth of patience. Because when everything happened between the DK unbound transition um, and the, the DEI portion of that formula or that, of, of that transition, you know, I was a strong proponent of not putting just words out there, putting actions out there. Um, And that meant taking a breath and pausing and doing our homework and reaching out to communities. And I know, you know, Verde played a huge part in helping us with some of those connections and the ideas. Um, But what we wanted to come out with were our actions and not our words. Um, And that took that took patience, especially when you're getting beat up, you know, and that's kind of how it felt like on social, we are getting, you know, just, but it's, it's resulted in, it's resulted in true change. And I think that's, what's exciting. I mean, at least it feels like it's going to be true change. Obviously we've got to go through a couple of years to see what it ends up resulting in. But, um, you know, the perspective from, from my point of view is that we're doing it right and we're making it meaningful and that's, that's going to be impactful as we move forward. And I just have to say like your approach to that is to me mirrors what you see in the gravel community and what they expect. 
right, from the founding event in the community and the trust that is in that community. And I think that that's something that you just know far better than to mess with and that you know to nurture. <laughs> I, I think this year is going to be a very telling year within the bike industry. There were a lot of promises yeah. that were made. Um, and so now we, we're going to start to see like, it takes a lot of effort to make those promises happen. And so uh, do you have any sense on that, Kristen, like how things are shaping up or how people are feeling about kind of all those things? I absolutely love that, first of all. And I do think that the, I, I don't even like saying the industry anymore because I never felt part of it, to be honest. I like to say the community um, of cycling, the business community of cycling, maybe, I don't know, but the industry always felt super bro to me. And I never really felt like I was like technical enough or, it is. <laughs> you know, like I just, anyway, so like, I feel like we're, if these promises are going to be fulfilled, people are going to have to get super uncomfortable and not just financially uncomfortable. Like we all were last year. Um, we're going to have to get uncomfortable with our actual identities if we truly want to become more welcoming and continue to protect what is, I think, sacred about gravel, which is, you know, you're, in, you're invited. <laughs> that's the, that's how simple it is. Right. I do feel like that is going to call for people to let go of things that maybe have defined who they are and who their brands are. And we all have to evolve together. And as Christy was saying, we're all going to totally face plant here and there and have wins. And we need to just expect that because that's what it feels like to grow. It's going to be really difficult, especially when you look at like growth is expensive. I don't care if you're in business or if you're adding onto your house, like <laughs> we, we are excited about this growth, but it is going to be expensive. Um, not only from, we need to create more product and experiences for these people, but we need to invest in our workforce and our leadership. And we need to actually have the newcomers be able to look at these companies and see their commitments, their ethics, their leadership teams, and see that they're represented there too. That to me is where we're going to really see like the pain of change. Um, change is not easy, especially when you've built businesses that know how to be profitable off of their old business model. It's not easy and it's not fast. That's true. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah, and well, there'll be a lot of missteps along the way. Um, I don't think it could ever go back though. I think the trains yeah. left the station. Yeah, I worked um, for several years at a, a very large bike shop that had a very, very large online presence, more in the triathlon space. Uh, and one of the things we were talking about before we hit play was just kind of like how much the money has an influence on things in the industry. And I think that was one of the things that frustrated me as a woman. Um, in that industry is kind of that same bro culture. When I was like, we're missing such a huge opportunity with what, why are, why is every piece of marketing material that I get full of guys or women that nobody I know looks like, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I would love like some of your insights and this is kind of me geeking out, but you know, on how to influence that culture, like how to money talks. And that's one of the reasons, you know, we talk about, building a strong and powerful community. Cause then we can be, I kind of say we can stick it to the industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And I think the industry is open to having it stuck to them. I really do. They don't really have a choice. And I think there are a lot of people working at these brands that genuinely want to do the right thing and genuinely want to see the evolution and the growth happen. Um, but it's it, change is painful. And, uh, you know, I have two examples to bring uh, from the PR side, having worked with a lot of brands in our 20 years um, on the bike side, it's always been a struggle to see um, editorial consumption uh, is always equated with readership response or consumption and in digital that became more of the case. Um, and one of the amazing things with gravel is like we kind of went it's not like the the growth only happened in the last four or five years. I realized that it's been a quote thing for a long time, but I think the organization of it and the product and and the experiences have really flourished in the past, you know, four or five years. And now, um, the the women pros, uh, women race directors. Um, I think women are pervasive throughout gravel, and that has called for right out of the gate. We don't have to prove ROI in terms of being positioned as part of gravel in editorial, in media, with YouTube creators, et cetera. Um, and we have an incredible opportunity to lead the other facets of cycling by really driving that. Um, so that's the first thing I want to say is I'm really grateful that the old um, paradigms of media and the way that revenue was brought in uh, to those media entities, like all of that is changing. And I think people are looking at at um, ROI a lot differently now. And they're seeing results that they've never seen before. Um, and then the other part about that is, <laughs> you know, I love doing podcasts. Like it was 2015 and we did two audio things at Verde way before anybody gave two craps about it. Um, but basically we did one that was for like avalanche safety for the snow sports industry. And we just brought together all of the avalanche forecasters and several prominent athletes. And we created like a free audio training for the industry on like how to get everybody on the same page with like avalanche safety. And that same year we're like, let's help independent bicycle dealers and bike brands sell more bikes to women. And we created an audio program and Celine Yeager was interviewed in this. It was right when her big book came out for women cycling. So it was awesome timing, but like we had a, an audio program that we, we brought out at an interbike and, you know, they gave us the stage and we tried to sell it in there and we sold exactly one. <laughs> and it was great content. And um, anyway, point being is, I just think when the, when COVID hit, that's the great accelerator there, you know, we, we absolutely like everybody moves so slow in outdoor recreation until one day they don't. That's what we always have said. Um, and that one day they don't happened, you know, I think it was March 15th, 2020, when we had a global pandemic declared and everything was torn down and we all had to start over and get our needs met a new way. And now I think the future's here. And how long would it have taken, ladies? Oh. How long would it have taken? I, it have I don't taken even, it's so funny when you ask that because like the talking about me and patience, yeah. <laughs> I was growing like impatient, like enough. We should be able to do this as an industry. This shouldn't be that hard. And um, using whatever influence I had in the gravel space with the women, I wanted to see that translate past that. And I used the example when I was talking to one potential sponsor one time and I said, uh, 
I'm, I feel really bad even saying this out loud, but I was like, can you name the 2017, this was right after the event, the 2017 um, winner of DK. And they were like the men's winner and couldn't name him. I was like, how about the women? Who, who won the women's? And he was like, Ali Tetrick. It was a race to the finish against Amanda Nauman. I'm like, yep. If you don't think women matter in cycling, that just, you know, that right there, you can't remember who won the men's field, but you can remember who won the women's field. And I think, I mean, just you saying that, I'm like, even, I, I just saw this opportunity with women in the space. And I think it goes beyond that. And this was the accelerator was COVID. So it's interesting hearing you say that. Cause I was just like, you know, not that I was ready for COVID. It sucked. It sucks. It still sucks. But of the, of the silver linings, it's, it sped everything up. Yep. Whether we're ready or not. <laughs> you know, I, there, I think there are even, it doesn't matter if you're, how you identify, we're all not ready, but we're all going to go into the future together. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, that's a great way to end this podcast today, um, with a hopeful future. And I'm, I'm excited about what we're all going to shape together this year. We've got a lot of plans for girls gone gravel that people will be hearing about soon, but Kristen, you have, um, a product that we might have some bike shop dealers or our bike shops or industry people that would be interested in what you offer. You have a, a course, I believe. Is that correct? We do. And we actually, um, we, we put the course out there in 2020 because it's, it's called the multi-channel marketing Academy and our across all of our outdoor recreation uh, categories of business or communities. Um, some of them are, you know, the businesses are um, direct first brands and some of them are wholesale brands, but they all knew they had to evolve how they were reaching, engaging and selling to their consumers who are changing. So that's what the course is. Um, we actually are not, uh, offering it again until I believe March of this year. And at that time, we're also going to be offering another uh, community opportunity for business leaders to actually help grow and evolve their companies with all the changes with consumers. So I'd love to be able to follow up with you, like when that's open again. Um, and then I also just want to say like, it is absolutely so inspiring to see the open door that you've given women to come in and join the gravel community and how active your Facebook group is. And for anybody who's listening, who's not in there, I think it would be a great thing for you to do to get in there because, you know, those are your people and it's a great home. And I just really am looking forward to seeing like the evolution that's going to come out of the passion that's in that group. So it's super cool to see. Yeah, we enjoy it for sure. Um, and we will, um, for sure. Well, hopefully see you at some events. This I hope so. Absolutely. <laughs> but I'll, you'll see me in the Facebook group too. So, <laughs> well, yeah. And we'll, um, and if people want to follow you, where's the best place for them? Is it the Verde communications page? Um, yeah, uh, we're at verdepr.com. Um, our podcast is channelmastery.com and that's about, you know, into, it's about specialty brands and specialty retailers in the outdoor active lifestyle markets. Um, so that's, at that website. And then I believe I'm at KC Carpe Diem eight across most of my social media. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kristen. Oh, thank you. It's been an awesome experience. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. 
Subscribe, like, and comment on your listening platform. Our producer is Taylor Mayhem Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. Thank you.